good to see all of you out this morning, and we're glad that you're here with us. As you can tell, I don't have a lot of volume today. Um, I spent a couple of days doing whole days at the preschool, and after the first one, I had completely lost my voice. I had I left the school with just about nothing, and so I've gotten some of that back now. But I don't have a lot of volume, so I'm glad I have a microphone because that that kind of helps me out a little bit today. So just bear with me, and I, I think I'll make it through. But uh, it is good to see all of you out this morning, and we're glad that you're able to be here. And especially, uh, Brother David. Uh, David has been a, a really good friend of this congregation over the past couple of months or so. And every time we needed a song leader, I told him I would have probably filled in for Hugh if I, I could have, but I, I don't have the voice. So I'm glad that he's able to step in, at least for the Sunday morning and Sunday evening services. Um, now I'm not sure what we're going to do is for a song leader for the afternoon service the nursing home. We'll have to see how that goes, but uh, he's not able to be with us for that. So um, any, if any of our men want to volunteer for that, we'd be, be glad to have the help. Um, our lesson today begins a new series. We're going to begin a series on the church at the crossroads. And this is uh, not an original idea with me by any means. Um, the idea for it actually comes from an old spiritual sword that I found. Um, but when we look at the church, one of the things that we have to notice is that we are at a crossroads. We are at a point where we have to decide what direction to go in. The lessons for this series are going to be harder lessons than what I usually preach. I like preaching lessons like the last month. We spent a whole month on making a difference. And lessons like those are so easy to preach uh, whenever we put them together. Those are ideas that we all agree on, that we need to do better as Christians, and things of that nature. But lessons like this series are going to be difficult because they stand at a head with denominations, they stand with teachings of, of people that we know and love. And so those types of lessons are difficult. I wanted to read a particular scripture to kind of begin our series, not just the lesson today. But in Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 24, we read this, Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might, may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed now I know that you all, that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I'll stop there. Verse 27, there's a line in verse 27 that really stands out here. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. As we look at lessons like this, and especially as we begin this series, one of the jobs that I have as a preacher is to declare the whole counsel of God. And so it makes it important to preach lessons that are difficult from time to time. 
And so as I begin these lessons, I want us to keep that in mind, that this is in an effort to declare the whole counsel of God. In the last 20 to 30, 25 to 30 years, there has been a major shift in what is being taught within the churches of Christ regarding denominations and our relationships with them. I, I usually try to stay away from names whenever I, I build lessons, but I was also taught that you don't give general statements without some kind of qualification to them. And so I'm going to give some quotes from, from certain individuals. Prominent leaders in the churches of Christ have changed their tune, if you will, in regard to what they preach. These are men that, that once taught the whole counsel of God, men that once taught faithfully who have turned from the way, and these are some of the things that they have had to say. Max Lucado, minister of the Oak Hill Church of Christ, now the Oak Hill Church in San Antonio, Texas, said this, when I see someone calling God Father and Jesus Savior, I meet a brother or a sister, regardless of the name of their church or denomination. On April the 2nd, 1995, in a swapping of pulpits with the Trinity Baptist Church, he said this, If God is willing to overlook our puny and small doctrinal misinterpretations, can't we find it in ourselves to do the same for others? Another gentleman who, who once taught faithfully, Rubel Shelley, minister of the Woodmont Hills Church of Christ in Nashville, had this to say in the Conference of Spiritual Renewal in Florence, Alabama on April 18th through the 20th of 1996. One of the things that I think is so wonderful and precious and dear to the heart of God about a conference like this is that it is a conference that cuts across the lines that we have erected to keep us separate. And later in that same lesson he said this, we will not lose our separate denominational identities. We will not give up our particular heritages and histories. We will not have to give up our distinctive practices with regard to our different organizational structures, worship, and so on. I see no need for that. But we will have to decide that there is something that matters more than those things and we will have to quit being idolaters who give those things such priority that we divide over those and refuse to recognize one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord. A little closer to home, even as recently as 2016, a Murfreesboro minister spoke a sermon at the Experience Community Church in Murfreesboro saying, I love the experience. I love what you're doing. I believe in you. I bless you. Joking and, and laughing about the instruments being on the stage. I'll tell you where this lesson really hits close to home. Is that men that I know and love, men that have preached gospel meetings in our area, men that I have led singing for, are some of those that are now considered false teachers for the things that they have adopted in their, their teachings. That hurts. That's sad. That's close to home. Congregations around us have been in the news recently for adding the element of instrumental music to their worship services. 
It's close to home. But I think you understand my point. The church is at a crossroads. We're in need of choosing which direction it will go. Each individual congregation must decide on whether or not to teach the truth or side with error. But Kirk mentioned in one of his Bible classes not too long ago that, that uh, the way that he responds when somebody asks him, well, what do you think about what this congregation is doing or, or that congregation? And, and the way that he responds, well, don't they have elders? That is so true. They do. They have their own leadership. And so it's not up to us to criticize. And I don't want you to take any of these things as, as criticism in that way. But I do want you to understand that the Mars Hill congregation must also decide the direction in which she will go. Our elders must decide our direction and we as members must stand by them. We need to decide one way or the other how we will teach, how we will continue. Mars Hill congregation has been around since at least 1852. I'm sure it has roots going a little bit further than that, maybe going back, backward. We've been known to stand for the truth over time. But what about the next 10, 15, 20 years? Are we still going to be known as a congregation that stands for the truth? I think that's a, a good question for us to ask. And that's something that we have to decide. So as we look at the Mars Hill congregation, we stand at a crossroads. We stand at a point where we have to decide what is right and what is wrong and what we will teach and what we will avoid. Our lesson objectives, not only for this lesson but also for this series, are to recognize the difference between biblical truth and false teaching and to recognize God's call for His people to stand for the truth, the truth, His truth. Begin with the call to stand. In Bible times, there are examples of those who are called to make a stand. Joshua, at the end of his life, encouraged the people to make a choice. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In the days of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 21, it says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. But the people answered him, Not a word. After a display of God's power before them, we read this in 1 Kings chapter 18, and verse 39. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, 
He is God. God appeared before Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, beginning with verse 14. And he said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Verse 19. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land which I have given them. And this house which I have sanctified for my name I will cast out of my sight and will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. At a crossroads, the people were called to either stand for God or they were given the consequences of turning away. Jesus' own disciples were also called to make a choice in John chapter 6, beginning with verse 60. John 6 and verse 60. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walk with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Today, just as it was back then, God's people stand at a crossroads. Demas chose to forsake the Lord, having loved this present world, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. The church of Smyrna, withstanding persecution, was encouraged in Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Which way will we choose? Choosing to stand for God is not an easy task. Christians truly living for Him will be mocked and made fun of. Christians are often rejected by former friends and even family members for making the choice to serve God faithfully. In choosing God, however, the benefits far outweigh the negatives. 
John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house for many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Making the choice to serve God can be difficult. But let us look to the reward. The reward is so much greater than anything we could imagine. Not only is, is there a place reserved for us in heaven, but it's being prepared for us. I don't know exactly what that means, but I know it's great. I know that God has great plans for His people if we choose to serve Him. When we choose Jesus, we are choosing the way to salvation. We are choosing the way to joy and peace. We are choosing the way to eternal life. So as we stand at the crossroads, may we choose the right way. As we close our lesson, let's look at choosing the way. What it means to choose the way of God and the way of His Son. Not only are Christians to choose whether or not to serve God, but they are also to choose how to serve God. Many churches, and I use that term loosely, I mean that to refer to denominations as well as the Church of Christ. But many churches exist in our world. But only one church was created by God and established by Christ. Matthew chapter 16 verses 16 through 18 Simon Peter answered and said you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said to him blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it Following Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Verse 46, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved.
Jesus promised to build His church. When we look at Acts 2 and the establishment of the church and fulfillment of what Jesus had already said, we see that the Lord added to the church, the church, daily those who were being saved. How many churches were created? Only one. We can choose different paths, but only one path leads to eternity with God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Notice that last verse again. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. One way. There's only one way that leads to eternal life. Many churches may exist, but only one belongs to God. With many churches, there are also many doctrines and teachings for instance, once you are saved, you can never fall away from God. And if you do fall away, you were never truly His to begin with. In order to be saved, you must say a sinner's prayer. Or you must be baptized because you have been saved. You must simply believe in God with all your heart. To that one... James chapter 2 verses 19 and 20 came to mind. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, a foolish man, that faith without works is dead? In order to be saved, you must ask God into your heart and life. And gives many ways to find salvation. But unfortunately, none of these are found in Scripture. In regard to worship, some might say, use all your talents to, to worship the Lord. If you can play a guitar, use that as, as your talent and as your way of serving God and praising Him. That's not what we find in Scripture, though, is it? When it comes to the Lord's Supper, take when you wish. Doesn't matter what day, as often as you want to, go ahead. Some might say, don't make it a common practice. Every week is too often and it'll become mundane and you just don't want to do that. But the Bible does say every first day of the week is when the disciples gather for the purpose of breaking bread. We'll get into those last two more as we go throughout the series. So I don't want to dwell on those too much. But you understand that, that man provides many ways for someone to be saved. They give us many doctrines, many teachings. We have to be careful. Stay with the Bible. The Bible teaches us what we must do to obtain salvation. On the day of Pentecost, through Peter, we're told in Acts 2 and verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ 
for, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not because of the remission of sins, not because you've already been saved. I read a good illustration of it, and I can't remember who it was exactly that, that gave the illustration, but I think it was Marshall Keeble. An illustration was a woman is not going to wash her clothes because they're already clean. Or somebody's not going to wash dishes because they're already clean. It doesn't make any sense, does it? What Peter said is repent. Let every one of you be baptized for the remission of sins so that you can be cleaned. Saul through Ananias, was told in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The Ethiopian eunuch through Philip, as we read in Acts chapter 8, verses 36 through 38, says, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said to him in verse 37, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. It is important. Important enough that they stopped the chariot so that the eunuch could be baptized. What does the Bible teach? To be saved as the Bible teaches us. One must hear and believe the truth. One must repent of past transgressions and, and change course, change life. Walk toward God instead of the ways of the world. One must confess, confess faith in Christ. Confess that we believe. Be baptized for the removal or remission of sin. That's the way the Bible tells us that we need to be saved. The scriptures also teach us how we are to live and worship. And as I said, we'll get into those in later lessons. But I think you get the point. We are given authority in scripture for certain things. And it's important that we stick with authority. As we stand at the crossroads, which way will we choose? Christians are called upon to stand for the truth. There's a song that came out several years ago now, but I remember it. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And that's true. And in regard to Scripture, in regard to the Bible, in regard to our service of God, if we don't stand firm in the authority of God, we will fall for anything man devises in regard to salvation, worship, etc. We have to stand with God, stand firmly with God. God has told us what He wants and it is up to us to continue in His teachings. There is but one church. And the question 
that I leave you with today. Are you a member of the one church? Are you a member of the body of Christ? Have you obeyed in accordance with God's will? Maybe you're not sure exactly what God's will is. We always close our services with an invitation because we want to make sure that those that are present have the ability to come forward if they need to. Maybe it is that you're not a Christian. Maybe you know what you need to do or maybe you've known for some time you just haven't gotten up the courage to do it yet. And if that's the case, we would love to see that happen today. What better day than the present to begin to walk with God? Maybe it is that you're not a faithful child of God. Maybe you need to come back, return to, to His fold. Maybe you need to rededicate yourself to Him. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or for prayer on your behalf. But certainly, if there's any need that you have, we offer this invitation for you. And we hope that you would come as together we stand and as we sing.